You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Anyone who has ever tried to quit smoking or seen someone else try just wishes for a better way. With so many new stop smoking medications and treatments, is there a better way? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Carol Southard, RN and MSN, and an American Lung Association certified instructor with over 20 years' experience and proven success. She's a pioneer in the field of smoking cessation. Carol serves as the tobacco cessation consultant for Chicago area hospitals, including Northwestern Memorial Hospital. Carol, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Carol, any of these drugs really work, or is it a 50-50 crap shot? They absolutely work. They increase success rates. They at least double success rates. They also decrease the percentage of those who gain weight after quitting, which is a big issue for many people. They are an incredible tool to increase chance of success that I absolutely believe in and, frankly, push. How do you, how do you really feel? Well, you know, it frustrates me because... According to the data, only one in four smokers even try one of these products. And again, I bet the tobacco companies are laughing all the way to the bank about that because they really work. And there's been so much myth built up about them that they're dangerous, they're going to cause me to have a seizure. And yet, if you look at it objectively, even if they were risky, which they're not, look what they're giving up. They're giving up the most dangerous product known to humankind. People have a hard time understanding risk. Correct. I agree with that. Let's first talk about Welbutrin or Zyban. And I would say the reason they worry about the seizure is because in the early studies with Welbutrin, the anorexics had a seizure. And that's where the bad rap came from. Exactly right. And that's why the only contraindications to this drug are, in fact, ever having had a seizure, which I think is a little bit of an overkill, but that's my opinion, having had a true eating disorder such as anorexia or bulimia, and being on an MAOI. Otherwise, there are no contraindications to this medication. And it was found anecdotally to help smokers quit, which is why I so believe in it. There was no power of suggestion. There was no placebo effect. Why does this work unlike other antidepressants? It increases dopamine levels, and that's exactly what the nicotine's doing. So it mimics the action of nicotine without giving someone nicotine. And what it does when it works for people, it doesn't work for everybody, but it certainly works for plenty. And this is a quote from my clients. It's taking the edge off. I'm not feeling so crazed. I'm not. The intensity of the desire for a cigarette goes down. And some people, it actually changes the taste of the cigarette because they, they're supposed to start at one to two weeks prior to quitting. Give me your numbers, Carol. What is your success rate with using Zyban or Wellbutrin? Again, my success rates are going to be a bit skewed because in addition to giving out the medication, I, this is all I do in my profession, I do intensive intervention, either one-on-one or with group. I have incredible success rates as an example, but this isn't just with Wellbutrin. This is with all the pharmacotherapy and my group work, which is a one-hour week for eight consecutive weeks program. Right now, I have an 87% success rate at the end of eight weeks, 55% success at three months, 50% of the year. So those are pretty good numbers. I'm impressed. But please remember, I been doing this for 22 years now and read the literature voraciously. I'm Everything I do is evidence-based. That's the irony of this. Everything I do is what's recommended by our own federal government. I follow the guidelines, but most people don't know what they are. So most people don't do them and think what I'm doing is so magical. It isn't. That's what's so ironic to me. All I'm doing is what's been recommended by the researchers out there. I don't know of many other clinicians who've been doing this solely for as long as I have, and that's Let's face it, there is that confounding factor. 
But I am pretty tenacious. I have almost 100% follow-up with my groups. And so I feel good about my numbers. I don't do biologic measures, but so it's all self-report. But I've been told that I've got enough numbers that I should be publishing this. And back to the medications. Now, because that does not give the person nicotine, I recommend using any or all of the nicotine replacement therapy products along with the Wellbutrin. Interesting. That really increases success rates. The, the studies I look at are the ones that are not funded by the pharmaceutical companies that make these products. Those are the ones I look at, and especially the long-term. And they're not a, a whole lot of them, but the ones that are out there that convince me that combining pharmacotherapy agents, increasing success rates, there are studies that show at least double, but a lot of times quadruple the success rates if you combine these medications. So there are five nicotine replacement therapy products that are out there. The three that are over-the-counter are the patch, the gum, and the lozenge. And the two that are only by prescription, which I find ridiculous that you need a prescription to get nicotine, but you can go out and buy tobacco products, are the Nicotrol inhaler and the nasal spray. They all basically, if you use them correctly, will decrease the severity of withdrawal, sometimes even eliminate withdrawal symptoms, and help the person then have the energy to concentrate on the psychological and the habit. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell, and I'm talking today with Carol Southard. Carol is a tobacco cessation consultant and has helped thousands of people quit smoking. We're talking about combining Wellbutrin and nicotine replacement therapy. Of the prescriptions, the inhaled and or the nasal nicotine, which one is preferred more by your clients? Well, of all the nicotine replacement therapies, it's actually the patch because it's easiest. You put it on, it's a sustained release mechanism, 24 hours, you have a constant level of nicotine in your system. Now, of the two prescribing ones, and this is real life because I'm, I was no longer, unfortunately, but because I was able to get samples of the inhaler and so people could try it before paying for it because they're expensive. Most of my clients have preferred the inhaler, but once I, and I have to talk people into trying the nasal spray, it is the fastest delivery mechanism of any of nicotine replacement therapies. In three minutes or less, there's a cigarette's worth of nicotine in the system. It is very effective for highly physically dependent clients, especially women. For some reason, it works on women better than it does on men. We don't know why. Are there adverse side effects? Well, if someone, and the tendency will be there to, after you, Spray. If someone takes a, you know, and sniffs it up, which is a tendency when you have something spraying up your nose, it can burn. Nicotine is very irritating to the respiratory tract, the gastrointestinal system, which is why the tobacco companies put tar in their products. Even though it causes cancer, it neutralizes the effect of nicotine. So that's probably the most adverse reaction is, is it burns their sinuses. But once people figure out how to use it correctly, and if they can let it absorb through the nasal mucosa, there really are no problems. Even people with allergies, even though that is listed as a contraindication, I've had a lot of people with asthma use it, and their asthma gets so much better when they quit smoking, <laughs> that using a nasal spray does not increase or cause side effects once you learn how to use it correctly. If I'm understanding you correctly, inhaling the nicotine is not very tolerable to patients who are used to smoking because the tars offset the nicotine. Isn't that ironic? It's amazing. So it's the same thing with the inhaler. A lot of people like the inhaler because it's a hand-to-mouth mechanism. Right, but aren't you still kind of, you know, continuing their ritual there? Well, but it's not nearly the same as what a cigarette is. The cigarette is like 10 seconds or less there's nicotine in the system. With these oral products, the inhaler, the gum, the lozenge, it's a 20 to 30 minute time period before a full cigarette's worth of nicotine 
is absorbed. So yes, they're mimicking the hand of mouth, but they're certainly not getting the effect that they did via cigarette. So they also have to learn new behavioral techniques. And plus, what I really caution my clients who are using these products is don't wait till you get withdrawal. So automatically you're changing behavior if you use these correctly. When they were smoking, they get withdrawal symptoms, light up, 10 seconds or less, relief. With these products, my encouragement is to preempt withdrawal. So if you always have a cigarette after a meal, use the inhaler 20 to 30 minutes before you sit down to the meal, and you'll have about a cigarette's worth of nicotine in your system once the meal's over. I just thought of something, if I may interject. There's millions of smokers out there. We know that depression is extremely common, and I would guess that many of these smokers have underlying depression that they're treating themselves with. They're self-treating with nicotine. Correct. Why haven't the drug companies had a light bulb light up at their head saying, hey, why don't we put people on nicotine patch to treat their depression? It's going to stimulate their dopamine just like all these other medicines. Well, it's interesting you ask that because, you know, that's been looked at. Again, my cynical answer is... The pharmaceutical companies make a whole lot of money with the... You don't have to call it cynical anymore. You can call it reality. You're right. My objective answer is <laughs> that we have a whole lot of antidepressants on the market, and uh, most, all of which, except Zyban, do work on the serotonin levels, which, of course, has an impact on dopamine. But that question has come up before, and there have been some studies that look at that. In fact, 75% of smokers have psychiatric comorbidities. 75%. And... It is an, it's an interesting theory that, well, if we increase dopamine levels and keep them at a nice steady state, would we in fact help people who have underlying depression, bipolar, etc.? Carol, you need to start doing a trial. I've been told that a million times with a lot of things, but, you know, my, I am so obsessed, as you can probably tell, and I'm so focused on helping people quit smoking. But here's, here's the best news. This is, again, why I love what I do so much. As you can imagine, in my 20-plus years of doing this, I've had so many clients with psychiatric comorbidities. Once they quit, this is fascinating, they respond better to treatment. A lot of their symptoms exacerbate during the quit process. They get more manic, they get more depressed, you name it. But now I've learned to reassure them, I work with their therapist when possible, you're going to come out of this so much better. You respond better to treatment. You're going to have a sense of empowerment. I mean, it sounds cliched, but it's true. I want you as my therapist, and I don't even, I don't even smoke. I feel better about myself just listening to you. Well, you know, I never judge anybody. I, I can't. So many of my clients have said, oh, I'm going to disappoint you if I smoke again. No, you're going to disappoint me if you don't try. I'm disappointed when people don't call me and tell me they've had a slip. There's big business out there in laser centers. Correct. And people doing hypnosis and acupuncture. My personal feeling to patients is whatever works. And you know what? I echo that. I would never say, no, that doesn't work. No, don't do that because I've had too many clients who have a success. There's always going to be a strong placebo response to anything. Exactly. Here's the most important thing I can say to anybody. If you go into laser, if you come to see me, if you take the new pill that's out, Chantix, which we haven't talked about but which is amazing in terms of success rates, Thinking, I'm going to see if this is going to work. I'm going to see if you can make me quit. It's probably not going to work. If you go into any of those modalities thinking, I have made the decision to quit. I may not want to, but I've made the decision to quit. I'm going to see if this will help me. Much higher chance that it will help you. Because then your mindset is, I'm going to get do whatever I can for assistance versus Oh, I'm going to see if you're going to make me quit because there is no such thing. So I'm not opposed to those modalities. Am I convinced that for the majority of smokers out there, it's going to result in quit? No. But I would never say don't do it 
because, like you said, I'm for whatever works. We're about at the end of the show. I have one last question for you. Let's assume you've done your magnificent job. You've gotten your patient to quit, but they live in Gary, Indiana. What's the point? Aren't they going to die from all their air pollution? Absolutely not. You know, I hear that all the time. I'm going to die of something. Air pollution's worse. There's nothing worse than the direct inhalation of a cigarette. Nothing. Air pollution, we're able to filter. You cannot filter when you're inhaling something directly into your respiratory tract. And unless there's a nuclear explosion or a, a plant goes up, nothing is worse in terms of air pollution, in terms of what we're inhaling, than a cigarette, either inhaling it directly or being in the room with the smoker. Carol, on that note, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. You've got excellent ideas and are truly passionate about helping people quit smoking. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com, and thank you for listening.